0: Hello again. Welcome to another edition of The Brattlecast, the podcast emanating from The Brattle Bookshop in Boston, a place to visit when you come to town, a place to hang out when you live here. And I know, because I do, I'm Jordan Rich, along with Ken Gloss, the proprietor. We welcome you, a first-hand look at second-hand books and so much more. You hold in your hands a book. It looks a little on the uh, older side, but you're going to tell me how old and what it is in a second.
1: Well, it's actually fun because... Just before I came into the studio today to do the podcast, a lady came in at about noon and had a few books. Most of them were not anything special. But this is an old trigonometry textbook. Oh, uh, It has nice pages that fold out and Look at that. The, the diagrams. Uh, I suppose one of the things though, that would catch some of the listeners is this, when I said older... It, there were books earlier, but this is 1695, and that's so,
0: not the price. That's the year. That's the year,
1: <laughs> and and you know mathematics goes back way beyond that. And there are a lot of people who collect books on the sciences, um, and the, some of them can be very spectacularly priced. Some of them, this one would probably run around four or five hundred dollars. So four or five hundred dollars is still a lot of money. But for a book that's uh, almost 400 years
0: old. May I? Sure. I'm going to be very careful and Um, delicate with this. It's not that delicate. So this book that we're looking at, uh, do we know who the authors are or author is? uh, Or is it a compilation? It's a
1: bit of a compilation, but uh, they also had engravings showing geometric figures and trigonometric figures and so on.
0: If you were to show this to a modern-day mathematician, first of all, they'd love it. But I don't know if you've researched this. Would there be a pretty much standard connection between what we knew then and what we know now about yeah, trigonometry? Pretty, yeah,
1: pretty much. No, I just got this in a few wow. hours when I came here. But basically, this is a introductory textbook, so it's not it's not like Isaac Newton's books that were inventing calculus. But trigonometry, you had to have before you had calculus. You
0: didn't tell me that it's in a different language. Is it? It's in Italian. It's Italian. It's Italian. Yes. My goodness. So it, you have to. Yeah, and that uh, is so cool.
1: But you can look at the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: understand it even less if I just uh, read the Italian, but I can look at the pictures. So this is amazing. And it, 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 what else did she have in her collection, this w- lady?
1: Well, she she had uh, some travel books to London, to Italy, to France. So I, I almost imagine that probably on one of the trips, they probably were in Europe. And the, there's this at the time, which if it was 30, 40 years ago, might have been $50 or $35. And, mm-hmm. and it has a nice vellum binding, which is animal skin, mm-hmm. is how they made them. It's in very good condition for it what is. it is. It is. But well, almost anything you can think of, there are people who, are interested, and there are people who collect science and mathematics. And uh, I got a call from a lady, also just before I came here, whose husband passed on, but he, she has about four or five hundred books on physics and mathematics and so on. And and whenever someone calls and they say they have a math collection or or they have a science collection, I always. Tend to ask what level because if they're an introductory high school or college textbook, in the last fifty or hundred years, there's tons of them out there. Mm. Uh, if you get back to math textbooks back in the early 1800s and back, uh, we you can get them for 20 dollars, and they make they sell really fast during the summer. When people are tourists and they feel, oh, that would be a great gift to give to the teacher, just a a tutor or whatever. Uh, But one of the nice parts about math and uh, physics is when people call and also they say they have a library of science books, if it's biology, if it's uh, nature, if it's many of these subjects, uh, some of the engineering subjects – Everything's changed, mm. But math and physics don't. I mean, they might get expanded upon, they might get used differently. but the general theory of math doesn't change. So a book that's fifty years old isn't necessarily out of date or not usable. And uh, what what we sort of decide when we buy these libraries, I have a degree in chemistry, so I have some familiarity. I'm not by far not a mathematician. But if you read the title and you don't know what it's about, usually that's a pretty good book. You know, <laughs> because it means it's some small aspect of physics, math uh, that there are going to be specialists in, and the books are very, very expensive, new. So uh, they become collectible.
0: So let's talk about the the clientele, and you've got such a wide range of people who love the store and love collecting and all that. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, we live in uh, the mecca of academia, so are there often people from the professorships walking in uh, oh, looking for this kind of thing?
1: Well, it, it actually works in two ways. I mean uh, – the apartment I live in overlooks the Charles River and MIT. And I suppose if you got binoculars out, you could maybe see Harvard too. But the new math building and computer science building at BU, which is – for anyone who comes to Boston, it looks like someone's building blocks. That's so, a
0: an amazing building right on Storrow Drive. Uh, I yep. know the building you're talking about, yep. and it's totally self-sufficient, I believe, in terms of energy and yeah. – And it's really pretty cool. So
1: there are loads and loads in the Boston area of math, mathematicians, graduate students, people studying math. But the other thing that you need as a bookstore, you also need the people who have over the years collected these libraries. And maybe when they move to the smaller place or it's an estate, there's a supply of math books to buy too because you can't sell them if you can't get them. Right. And so – Uh, One advantage we have, like I say, a lot of times a lot of book dealers are intimidated by math and science because they have no clue. And like I say, although I might not be able to do and understand it all, I at least can recognize, oh, yeah, this is a good book and this will – Well,
0: yeah, the training in sciences and chemistry would would allow you to have that extra edge over some of your other – Yeah, And,
1: and like a book like this in the 1690s. This would make a wonderful gift present uh, for a student graduating, a professor retiring. Uh, But you don't have to have the books back to the 1600s to be rare and valuable. I mean, a lot of things on uh, computer science and all of the algorithms they use to do the programming is all mathematics. Mm. Uh, Transistors, which are a keystone of that, the theory behind them which was really only in the 60s and 70s that it started coming out. That's all new. And there are books – there's a famous book called Electron Holes that was – I believe it was in the 60s. It's worth a few thousand dollars or more, but it's the physics behind transistors.
0: I have a dear friend who is one of the leading statisticians probably in the world, and he's very humble about it. But uh, he's been teaching at Harvard, and he's now retired. And you, you, you're right. So many things relate to – math relates to and statistics are used everywhere. And he's written a couple of books and all that. So uh, I know there's a there's a market for it, no question. Oh,
1: and the other thing that really sort of – even when you're talking about used books in the mathematics field, which – well, there are two things about them. When, when we get called and people have large libraries of mathematics books – we know we have to be in big shape because they're heavy. <laughs> they're really, really heavy books. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is that uh, we know that there is a customer base in the greater Boston area. Whereas if you were maybe out in the north, Midwest, in a smaller town, if you don't have Harvard, MIT, BU, on and on and on, uh, you you wouldn't see that. And matter of fact uh, – the, you get some really interesting variations on it. I remember uh, probably this is 25, 30 years ago. I had a niece uh, who lived with us for a while and then she got an apartment in Cambridge and was a two-story, 3 stories, three a triple-decker. Mm-hmm. And they, they had this kid who lived upstairs from us, from her. Uh, he was about 18 or 19 at the time. He was a professor of origami at MIT at 19 or 18. Now, the two things that impressed us with that, first of all, on one of her birthdays, he had one big piece of paper and folded it. I don't know how he did it, and it said, happy birthday. Oh, wow. One piece of paper and all the letters. I've seen art exhibits of his folding in origami, but... That same science is when they recently sent out into space to set up a, a new telescope a million miles from here. Mm. And the the telescope had to extend and then unfold.
0: Unfold in space. In
1: space. And a lot of his work was how you fold it up to get it into the smallest possible space. And I find all of that fascinating. I know that maybe I couldn't do the theory but if someone can explain it to me in general terms, I find it fascinating. And then what I also love is when you sell these books and you get a collection in, talking and seeing the people who are buying them and maybe some of them getting an idea of what they do, and some of them are the absent-minded professor right, right down the line. But others are perfectly normal people <laughs> Perfect. who, uh, who actually who the really ones that I really enjoy, the ones who can somewhat explain what they're doing in a language that you actually can understand, or at least they do it well enough that we think we can understand
0: it. I, I love this because uh, I'm a fan of space travel and, and exploration. And the universal language we assume is math because one plus one equals two, no matter how you slice it. So what you're talking about has a life well beyond the time it was written because of the consistency of of the numbers and the math that makes sense.
1: Well, absolutely. And because it's such an important part of all the technology uh, here, and also statistics, so insurance companies, actuarial tables, banking tables.
0: Consumer goods, you name it.
1: And predicting things. It's all important so that there are the people who say this is a major thing in our civilization, uh, and it's fascinating to read through. And you know, and then you can also, a lot of the people who collect math books also collect science fiction. They're, they're trying to figure out how you go warp speed beyond the speed of light.
0: Yeah, I, I've <laughs> met and interviewed many of these writers uh, um, and many of these physicists who come up with these ideas that match the sci-fi shows we love and i i agree i i'm totally fascinated i'm not a math guy i didn't do well on my sats like a lot of people i think more visually and so forth but i love looking at that i just love the fact that it's brilliant people back in 1695 put that together yeah,
1: and and one of the things too when you're in the boston area but this this could be a lot of university towns we have a very very good friend and customer who is a curator at the Museum of Fine Arts. Mm. But uh, three or four years ago, somewhere around there, I don't remember, he was explaining that you can go to a dinner, a catered dinner for 1,500 people, and the food can be absolutely spectacular. And what it was, is, his father had won the Nobel Prize in Physics, and he got to go to the dinner that was involved in it, I think cooking a dinner for 1,500 people and have people coming away saying that's one of the best dinners I've ever had, that has some sort of statistical mathematics. Especially if you're
0: the guy with the ribbon and the gold uh, medallion yeah. around your neck. Well, his true. father
1: won it for the uh, gravity really? waves. Oh, wow. And, uh, and he's a MIT uh, Harvard scientist. But uh, one book comes in like this. And – Depending on which way you go, the tentacles and the stories, either going back earlier, or further, farther. Uh, there's a college, and I don't know whether they invite people to come in or not, uh, but there's a college in the Boston area that has Isaac Newton's study. Uh, the the college, one of the founders of the college was very wealthy and collected everything he could get of Isaac Newton's, bought a study Brought it over by steamship, and it's actually...
0: Uh, Is that MIT, by uh, any
1: It might be one in Wellesley that studies uh, called
0: Babson. Oh, Babson, more Babson. of a business uh, school, but well, definitely business, math, mathematics. Uh,
1: entrepreneurial, and Roger Babson was a big collector of Isaac Newton. And so you... Again, the connections are all there. One little book,
0: a million stories. I wonder if... Roger Babson had a son who followed in his footsteps because with Isaac Newton, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> I do, I was waiting all this time to throw that line.
1: Well, I appreciate it. And and like I say, it's fun. And again, maybe I deal with this, but this book is 400 years old. Oh, I love it. Uh,
0: and, and it's, I was hoping if I just held on to what I – a little trigonometry would rub off.
1: Well, and, and I'll bet you this book is in much better – Shaped than any person who read it when it was new.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a given, absolutely. Mathematically, uh, you could equate that to be true. Well, uh, we have so many great topics. Uh, if folks could see the studio when you come in here, it's basically uh, – it's like a TV show. And here's on table one, on table two, so more exciting items on tables. And speaking of exciting, when you hear from people who want us to cover something, you to cover something – I know you get a real tickle out of that, and you've been hearing from so many people from across the globe.
1: Oh, yeah, and and it's, and it's most of the things they want, I don't do. I, I answer them personally because I think some people, when they ask questions, it's so specific, so detailed to what their particular interest right. is. I don't think it covers, but then there are some who ask a general question, and I use them because— I'm always looking for new things to talk about. So
0: it's info at BrattleBookshop.com if you want to write to Ken. BrattleBookshop.com is the website. Always fun, always interesting, and you'll learn a lot when you sit with this gentleman. Thank you so much, my friend.
1: Well, thank you. I, I, I enjoy talking about books, <laughs> as you can tell.